Morning. How are you guys? Looks like the uh, various rampages that are going through our uh, society right now have thinned us out a bit. So welcome to all of you who are at home as well. So um, good to be here. Hey, uh, I wanted to highlight something that was mentioned up there, but because again, uh, the kids were kind of in the chaos of being let out in the midst of all that. Um, I want to let you guys know on January 8th, this is going to be announced for the next couple of weeks, but next week is, oh, come on, next week is Christmas, and the week after that is New Year's, so some of that's going to keep things thin probably a little bit too, but um, on the 8th, which is the Sunday following that, we're going to have a prayer gathering where we're going to gather together as a congregation and just ask God to lead us in the process of really kind of coming together and saying, God, what is your vision for us um, from this to, to, um, 2023 and forward, uh, what are you saying to us? So, so that we can give to the leadership team, we can kind of put that, a lot of you guys have been saying, okay, I love this church, but not quite sure where we're going or what we're doing. And we've been working on figuring that out and we wanna figure that out together as a congregation as well. We wanna start that in prayer though. And so on the 8th, um, set that apart, uh, look for the announcements, look for the letter that's coming, all that that tells a little bit about, more about that process, but um, be here if you can. Uh, and uh, it's, it's just gonna be, I think it's gonna be a great time together just seeking the Lord for those things, okay? Sound good? That's my only announcement. I always, always throw one in there every once in a while. So um, tomorrow, this morning, wanna ask you guys, a, a, it's kind of a personal question, so I know some of you guys won't uh, wanna answer this one, but um, how many out there are real Christmas tree people? Anybody? Okay, how many are fake Christmas tree people? Right? <laughs> yeah, well... Okay, so every year I go out and I look, you know, for that perfect Christmas tree, and every year I find it because uh, it's always in our basement. So, um, <clears throat> just want you to know where we stand. Um, <clears throat> you know, I don't know that a lot of us realize this, but sometimes we pull out the Christmas trees or we go out and we buy that Christmas tree, and um, uh, actually, the association of evergreens with this time of year goes way back. It goes way back before, before we ever started celebrating the birth of Christ. Some people say, well, it came from Germany. No, it went way back before Germany, uh, before the Germans were you know, using their evergreen trees and stuff like that. Because um, during this time, and we talked about this last week, you know, this is the shortest, the shortest day is actually coming up on Wednesday. I don't know if you guys knew that, but the shortest day from that point forward, the sun kind of starts coming back and day starts lengthening out. Um, but during this time of year where everything got dark and all the plants because of that, you know, uh, in the Northern hemisphere here where we live and where most of these, uh, traditions came in, but all the plants start looking like they're dead, right? They lose all their leaves. They start going into hibernation kind of, and, and they start looking like they're dead. And so, um, people kind of had this association. They started noticing that there were some plants that didn't do that. They stayed green and they looked healthy all year, kind of like they had the very life of the sun in them, right? And so during this time of year where they were almost like they were going, oh, it's kind of like people would get together and they go, oh, I hope the sun comes back this year, you know, because if it doesn't, we're gonna be in trouble. It's gonna be eternal winter and that, that'd be bad. And so then when the, the days would start lengthening out, they're like, yay, it's coming back, you know. But they'd celebrate by bringing out these plants and, and kind of decorating their homes with them that represented this kind of life that went on in spite of the fact there was no 
you know, there was no sunshine and this life that these plants that seemed to have this life in them. So those were the evergreens and um, they were always about this kind of celebrating this life. That's what it was about. And um, this morning, you might've noticed that we had another uh, non-traditional passage, you know, for the Advent reading uh, from the book of Revelation. But if you notice in there, it talks about this other tree that it talks about in the Bible. And it's a tree that represented this idea of life. But I mean, it goes back to the beginning of the story of God. And then I wanted to bring out the fact that it's also found at the very end of the story of God. So we have this, this tree of life that is found in the book of Revelation. And we're gonna be focusing on that and looking at that. And just, you know, as we set up our trees and we think about, you know, we're gathered around the Christmas tree and all the gifts under it and all that, to really be thinking about this, this other tree, this tree of life that God has really tied into this story of God that's really anchored then in the middle in the person of Christ and uh, whose birth we celebrate. So stand with me. Uh, we're gonna look at this passage one more time, get it fresh in our minds. Again, Revelation 22, uh, verses one through five. It says, then the angel showed me a river of the water of life. It was shimmering, glimmering, like a crystal and flowing down uh, from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the broad street in the new city of God. On either side of this river was the tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit and bringing forth those fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations for there was no longer any curse and the throne of God and of the lamb will be there and his bond servants will serve him and they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no longer any night, no need for the lamp. There will no longer be any night, no need for the uh, light of a lamp or the light of the sun because the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. Now, technically that tree that it talks about, is not a Christmas tree, right? So I don't want you guys to... You know, we finally figured out what the, you know, what the tree of life is. It's an evergreen. Um, it's not talking about that technically, but there's something important about this tree, right? And we see that there. There's something about this tree uh, that was there at the beginning. It's there at the end. It's this thing that was at the beginning of the story of God uh, in the garden. And it's, it's actually the thing that we were cut off from. There's something really important that we need to understand about it. Because it's also that thing at the end of the story that it says, this is the thing that he restored our connection to. Something about this tree that's restored at the end of time. So if there's ever a tree that was connected with what God was you know, kind of reconnecting, was, was reestablishing at Christmas time, it's this tree. So that's what we're gonna look at this morning. This morning's uh, message is titled, The Tree of Life. Pray with me. Father, um, thank you. Thank you that your life has been made available to us. Thank you for Jesus who came and opened that way up that had been closed to us. He, he restored that, that relationship that was broken. In him, you said that you have cleared all the barriers that stood between us and you. And so we thank you for that. Thank you for the greatest gift, that gift that really brought on all this celebration. Father, that truly during this time of year where the night was settling in 
and we, we weren't sure that we were ever gonna get out of it, <laughs> that you sent your son. And we saw in him this life that couldn't be taken away, this life that shined even in the midst of the winter and the deadness and the darkness of this world. And that somehow he brought back to us this life. So Father, um, I thank you for the way that even though people didn't know what they were celebrating before, there were these hints of it. And that now we have the opportunity to walk actually in the fullness of it. So Father, be with us this morning. Speak your word to us, bring understanding and clarity through your spirit, the way that he does that, the way that he illumines and opens our minds to see the very uh, things of God through the words that you have given to us, through the, the, um, the ways that you have spoken to us. So speak to us this morning. And I pray that our hearts and our lives would be changed, that our Christmases would be changed because of what you say. Pray these things in Jesus' name for your glory by the power of your spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. It's this journey of Advent. Again, Advent is that time of year that we prepare and we, we, we take time to focus on what Christmas really is about, what the story is about, what the... the um, you know, the practice is about and why, why we do this so that we don't lose sight of it, right? Uh, Lou, as he was up here, he mentioned kind of that chaos and that crazy that surrounds us right now as we're frantically running out. I hope most of you guys have done your shopping, you know, got a good bulk of it done. You know, uh, don't put it off till Saturday because um, you need to be here for the, you know, the service. So, so don't wait till then for sure. But um, you know, and it does, it gets crazy. And, and so we, we take this time to focus on what Christmas is about. And so this is, uh, four weeks ago, we started out and we were talking about that seed. We talked about a seed that was in the garden that God promised. And we saw that that seed is, is Jesus, right? That Jesus was that seed that God promised that was coming, that was gonna be the savior. He was gonna be a descendant of Adam and Eve. He was gonna be born of a woman, of, of Mary. And um, this week, we're gonna be talking about a tree that's kind of at the end of the story, the other end of that, this tree of life um, that comes in with God's new kingdom and his new heaven and his new earth. And, and Advent, Advent has always been this time of year that through the history of the church, we focused on two arrivals. We saw at the first week, you know, Advent means arrival, where there are actually two arrivals we celebrate. The first was the first coming of Jesus, right, at his birth, and we, we know that one, but the other, Advent also talks about a second coming, and that time when Jesus will return and he'll bring in this kingdom, and Advent was not just that time of year that we, we focus on the birth of Christ, but also that we, we look forward to what that means for the future, and, and for this world, and for our lives, and so uh, we see that, that when Jesus comes and sets up that kingdom, he brings in this life, he brings in salvation, and we see this tree, you know, this, this uh, tree of life. So um, what is that all about? What is that tree of life about? What is it talking about when I talked about it being in the garden? What is it talking about when all of a sudden we see it at the end of the story? 
Um, now, many of us were introduced to the tree of life when we were little kids. We were in Sunday school and we saw, you know, there it was in the garden and somehow, you know, somehow Adam and Eve picked the wrong tree and they ate of the wrong tree and because of that, they were cut off from this one um, or we read in one of the Bible storybooks or something like that. And since that time, for a lot of us, the biggest challenge, you know, has been, well, what kind of tree was it? Because we know that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that was an apple tree, right? Everybody knows that, right? And so we're like, well, what was this other one? And, and that's why I wanted to warn you, you know, I'm not here to tell you it was a, a fir tree. That's not what we're saying. But really it's, um, you know, that's the kind of questions that went through our mind. And we never go back to the story and kind of reorient. And I want us to kind of suspend in our minds this morning, because I want us to look at some other things that God is saying um, in this story. I want us to suspend maybe that literal approach to saying, okay, what kind of tree are we talking about? What species um, do we need to look around for and find? Because, and I'm not asking you to, you know, I have to be careful when I ask people to do that because I don't want to get into the debate about, you know, how literal do we take this? I don't want you to get rid of the belief that, you know, I'm not asking you to um, disband the belief that in some way these things happened. You know, God doesn't just tell fairy tales. God tells stories and he has history showing a story. And so I'm not asking us to get rid of that. Um, I, I just want us to be, you know, I want us, when we look back at some of these stories, I want us to be honest. Because when you look at the, the very beginnings and you look at the far ends, you got to admit there are some things we just don't get, right? We got to kind of let go that we have all this, that we comprehend it all, uh, that we understand it all. Because you look back, for instance, um, at the beginning, you have a snake that talks. If you guys, how many have seen a snake that talked? Anybody? No. You have a snake that talks. You have a tree that if you eat the fruit, that suddenly um, you gain eternal life. Anybody seen that tree around? No. So uh, at the beginning, there are definitely some things that are a little fuzzy. We may not fully understand what he's talking about. At the end, you have a city that comes down to heaven. It's like a mile cubed, right? Anybody seen a city like that? Anybody? No? Okay, have you ever seen a river, the water of life flowing down? Have you ever seen this, again, this tree that has leaves that heal nations? Anybody? No. So we're talking about stuff when you get to the front and back of this story that gets a little fuzzy for us. So let's just kind of put out our mind that we understand it all. Let's start there so that we can maybe look at what God's trying to tell us through, through this story. And um, the truth is, is, you know, the reality is, is that in scripture, God often will use these stories. That again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take them out of history. I'm not saying that but he'll use a story from history, even our own history, to try and bring a clarity to something that otherwise could be very incomprehensible. Do you understand that? I mean, that's what Jesus was doing when he told parables. We know that. He told stories with earthly things to get across heavenly meanings. He wasn't talking about the thing. He didn't say whether or not the thing had happened, but he was getting something else across. And these are those type of stories. This is what, sometimes we don't realize it, but that's what, when Jesus was born, it was God trying to make the incomprehensible God comprehensible to us through showing up and showing up like us so that we could understand, okay? So I want us to look at this story, maybe in this tree specifically, a little bit beyond just saying what kind of tree was that? So what was the tree of life? What was it about? Well, I want to start out. Um, 
in the Hebrew language. Okay, so you guys are going to get Hebrew lesson. That's kind of a bonus this morning. Um, but uh, there's the Hebrew word for tree is, is we're going to look at the word itself. It's etz. It has two letters. The second letter is this letter tzadeh. And that doesn't matter aside from just, it's fun to say. So it has a, it's the T-S sound. So everybody say sada, sada. You have to start with a T. It's fun, huh? Right? Everybody get that one? Sada. So, um, but the words, the letter sada shows up in regularly in these words. And they have this picture behind them because all languages kind of started out as picture languages, but it has this picture behind it of those things that may not look like much, but they have behind them or within them this structure or this framework that gives them strength and substance and form. Okay, and you see how that would come out through a word like tree, right? Because you have this big thing and all the leaves, the leaves don't have a whole lot of strength in themselves, right? They're pretty flimsy. But it's given this form and this structure by the strength of this, this framework that's within it the limbs and the branches that go within it. We have a structure like that. You don't see our skeletons, but that's what allows us to stand and walk around. That's what gives us strength and form and cohesion together. Another, another word that was used that way in, in Hebrew is the word for a plan because a plan gives action, strength and substance and form that it wouldn't otherwise have if you didn't have that plan behind it. Okay, so, and, and sada is often related uh, to these kind of words. And so in, in Hebrew, the fact is it, it's called etz gives immediately this sense of, okay, this is a thing that has this, this form and this, this strength to it that's given to it by this framework that, that comes up. Well, this is important because, because as we, the, part of the point that God used a picture of a tree when he talked about the life that he was offering is that God, God wants us to know that his life is not just something that just kind of gets dumped out. We don't get to grab pieces of it. And you know, you grab some leaves off a tree and there's no substance or form or strength to them. They're just kind of there. But he said, no, my life is, is, is found, is, is grabbed hold of when you understand there's a framework to it. There's a structure to it. The strength actually comes from those things are found in, in the way that they're aligned and the way that they're, 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 they're put together that gives it strength and form. And so he gives us this picture of this tree as his life because he wants us to know, you know, we do not have eternal life if we divorce ourselves, we separate ourselves from the framing that's really just the framing of God's own character, the way that his life is put together is the life that he wants to give us. And we don't have eternal life if we haven't grabbed hold of that, that framing that God gives us for that life through his word and through his spirit and through this relationship that we have with Christ. And through another tzada word that's in Hebrew, this thing called righteousness. And so he wants us to know that. This tree of life that we were separated from in the garden and that we are reestablished is not just the, the, the fruit, the substance of the life of God. It's the strength and being called back into a kind of a life that he wants us to be living, a life of righteousness, a life that looks more and more like Jesus rather than more and more like the brokenness of this world. 
So the tree of life is not so much about the species of tree, right? It's not, that, it's not about um, you know, what kind of tree is it. It's, it's more about this life that he has given us and this framing that he's given us. That's why things like the commandments of God are important. That's why Jesus says, you really haven't found this life if you don't abide in me and my word doesn't abide in you. Because it's found in the, the things that God has said, the, the, the ways that he has told us to live, the things that he's called us to. And, and that's why... We, were, we lost that tree when we rebelled from God in the garden. It wasn't like, he, he gives this picture that we got physically separated because we were spiritually separated from the life of God when we took ourselves away from the things he had called us to. We did the one thing that he told us not to do, right? And why we, what it means to regain that in the, in the kingdom of God when we're restored in the fullness of everything, if restored in that life where we're actually obeying God from the heart and following after the things that he's called us to. So, um, you know, and we see that, right? We experience that. We even experience that in our everyday life. We wander off, we do something stupid that we know that has nothing to do with what God called us to. And then we experience the results or the consequences of that and the brokenness often of that I mean, sometimes we'll get away with it for a while, but we have, sometimes it's an internal thing, sometimes it's just external, it has to do with all the situation around us, but we, we experience that, that we discover, okay, I've separated somehow from the life God intended me for, because I've separated myself from the framework that gives that life its strength and its substance in the first place. Um, the other thing I, I want us to see is, you know, and we, we use words that way too, because some people look at that and they go, no, I think God was, you know, when he says tree, he means tree. Well, I mean, we don't even use words that way. We don't even use the word tree that way. For example, when we say a family tree, are we talking about a tree you can go out and you can find somewhere because it grows in the family forest, you know, of family trees? Or the decision tree, we have that, that phrase too. It's, those are also things that they have a form to them, they have a shape, they have a cohesion to them, but it's given to them by this structure that otherwise is not very easily seen sometimes, but it's there. And so we, we even use that, that same word, that tree, uh, in the same way. And, and so when you think about it, it makes sense that when God's talking to us, that when he talks about when we had a decision in front of us, to choose between two styles of life, right? One that has a structure that God had intended and one that has a structure that maybe is made up of something else, like the experience of, you know, just life by experiencing both good and evil rather than just by walking in the ways of God, right? He could use two trees. He could say, you know, we were in this garden, and, and we, we experience that too because we look, in, we look in, in, in Genesis and we see Adam and Eve. Here they are and they're in this beautiful world that God has made. And he gave them this little garden, this little piece of this world. And he said, I want you to do two things in this world. I want you to cultivate it and to keep it. I want you to develop it in all of its fullness. And I want you to protect it from the, the chaos and the devastation and the death that might try to attack it, okay? And we see that, we see that in our lives because we've been given the same thing. We're in this beautiful world and we've been given a little corner of it. We don't have access to the whole world. We have this little corner of it. And God says, what I want you to do is I want you to cultivate and keep it. And it might be, it might be our career, it might be our family, it might be just our everyday life. 
He says, I just want you to cultivate it and keep it. I want you to develop it into its fullness and I want you to protect it from all the chaos and the disaster that bring destruction. And in that time, we have these two choices and we say, well, we can do that because just like Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve chose to do the one thing that God told them not to do. He, they chose to eat from this, this tree that was, it was in the realm of possibilities of things they could do within their garden, right? They could, they could choose to live their life by the structure that God, the things that God had called them to, the things that his thoughts and his ways, or they could choose to live their lives based on kind of t- tasting and experiencing both good and evil. And so they went that way. And immediately by going that way, they cut themselves off forever from the thing that God had intended them to experience and to know. The life that God intended them to taste. And, and again, we do that too, don't we? Right? We, we, choose, we choose the things that God didn't intend and and. You know, sometimes we choose good and sometimes we choose to live by good things. In our own strength, right, we say, sometimes I choose to use good words that build people up and sometimes I choose to use evil words that just lay them out. Sometimes I choose to act from good intentions, you know, where where I'm acting um, kind of on behalf of others and out of kindness and mercy and thinking about others and sometimes I think just totally selfishly and I act out of that. Sometimes I, I choose to, um, to think about things and to uh, approach things that, um, I, I, and I establish you know, habits in my life. Sometimes I establish great habits in my life. And I, and I find that life flourishes around me. And sometimes I choose to establish life habits that just tear at my life and tear at the, the world around me. Sometimes I, I even I, I establish um, habits. You know, sometimes we don't think about this as habits, but some of our practices... You know, we think of habits as, as personal, like addictions that tear apart your life. They are. And that's choosing, you know, evil, good and evil. But then uh, what about those habits like things like gossip, things like um, slander that not only tear our lives apart, but start tearing out our whole, our community apart. And God says, if you choose to live by, you know, eat the fruit of this tree, then yeah, the garden's going away. And the access to the life, you, you bring really ruin into your life that cut you off forever, that make this life that I intended inaccessible to you. So that's the garden story, right? Well, then we get to the, the Revelation story and somehow, you know, between the garden and Revelation, the book of Revelation, at the end of time, somehow, that tree of life has been restored again. We have access to it. And that's really what that picture is. You know, I, I remember back in high school and I was reading through this passage and it wasn't the first time, but God had just done some work in my life and I was starting to kind of just, he was spiritually just making me more aware. You know, the, the word of God, it was kind of like it was talking to me, you know. And, and I, I remember reading through this passage and I hit that part about, and they will see his face. And it just broke me. Because I realize, I mean, if you realize the story of Moses where Moses is told nobody can see me and live, you know, and some kind of transformation happens. So by the end of this, by the time the kingdom is brought in, we see the face of God. And all that that is meant to convey, we don't even understand what that's meant to convey. But I mean, we even, 
we can understand the feeling of that, just knowing what it means not to see somebody for a long time and then you get to see them. You know, I, um, there was somebody out in the lobby this morning, a friend uh, who hasn't been here for a while. I'm not gonna highlight him completely, but um, just the joy of seeing live, you know. I uh, haven't seen him for a while. It was great to, and it was like, so good to see your face, right? We have been cut off from the face of God from the time of the garden, it's like, we know it. It says, and they will see his face. There will be no more curse. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more sadness. There will be no more brokenness. All of this is restored. And this tree, this tree, you know, is, is made accessible to us. And, and the tree with its leaves that it says are for the healing of the nations. And literally, that the word healing is the cleansing and the cleansing and nations, again, I don't want to get too technical, but it's like the cleansing of the Gentiles, which was really a picture of those who were the furthest from God have been washed clean in a way that gives them access to God. They have been washed clean of the ruin that they brought on themselves through their sins that they chose. Because we, I mean, all of us have done this thing that Adam and Eve did, right? We're all Adam and Eve. It's, it's no wonder that Adam's name literally means mankind, right? Because we find ourselves doing these same things. And yet, this ruin has been washed from them by the leaves of this tree of life. And, and this peace, this, this, um, uh, this water of life, and seeing his face, and no more curse. And his name, you know, this name that was on their forehead, by the time of the writing of Revelation even, the name of God was seen as holy, and so nobody would speak it. In fact, they forgot, they, they really forgot how to pronounce it because of so many generations of not ever speaking the name of God. And yet we're gonna have it marked on our foreheads. It's gonna be, that's how, the, the picture is, that's how close we are going to be to God. That's how far he has restored it. And so something happened between the garden and Revelation. And we go, and what was that? Well, you knew I was getting back to Christmas at some point, right? Right? Well, this is it. It's because when Jesus was born, he came and he showed us, and he came in order to be the Savior. And what does Savior mean? He was going to rescue us from this, this thing we had gotten, we were in, this death we were stuck in. He was going to rescue us and restore us to God. He was going to restore the tree of life to us. He was going to restore this seeing God's face, the promises of God and life as God had intended it. But part of what he wanted us to know, you know, is that one, we couldn't get back to God on our own and so Jesus came. But what he restored us to was not a life that we get to define. That's where we had gone wrong. We don't get to just pick and choose what we want out of the things that God has either said or called us to and expect to find the fullness of the promises of God. He said, my, my life is like a tree and its strength is found in the very structure, in the, in the um, commandments and the, the, the callings and the, the ways that we do and the thoughts that are behind. And he says, it's a whole structure that's where life is found. And you know, 
we found that we, we couldn't attain this life, even, even when he came to Israel and he spelled out that, that, that framework, right? He gave them the 10 commandments and he gave them the law and they had like hundreds of commandments and they found they couldn't, they couldn't grab hold of that themselves. They didn't have the strength. They didn't have the ability. They didn't have the, the life. And so, so Jesus came. And Jesus came and restored access to that life, bypassing you know, that it had to be through our strength, that somehow we're gonna make our way, our own way back to the garden, that we're gonna, we're gonna just work hard enough to be good enough for God, that somehow we're gonna, he, he said, no, that's never, gonna, that's never gonna do it. Jesus had to come. Jesus had to come and he had to take, kind of clear the path for us. He, he had to clear the way so that, that all of those, those offenses and that ruin could be washed off of us so that his very spirit, that, that spirit of life could become like that river of life within us, that he would just pour it out within us so that we would even have the strength to do and the, even the, the understanding to do the things that God had called us to. So what we celebrate at Christmas is we, we, we celebrate that God's promised seed that we talked about the first week, right? That he, he came and he has, he's brought us this, you know, that we saw was, was Jesus, that he, he came and he did. He saved us from sin. And, and we celebrate that he has now, he somehow grafted us who were outsiders into his family, that there's, there's that that picture that he tries to, how he's taken this thing that didn't belong and he's made it to belong. And now he's, he's making us into these memorial trees, right? That, that stand and they're evergreen and we stand as memorials to God's faithfulness and his goodness through our own life. And he's restoring access again to all of his promises and the fullness of the life that he intended from the very beginning. That's kind of the story of God. That's the story of this this forever tree, this tree of life. But these are only available through this framework that God, only available through a relationship with Jesus. You don't just find this laying in the street. Only available through the reality of his spirit, the presence of his spirit living within us that comes through relationship with Jesus. Only as that spirit leads us into a new way of living that we wouldn't necessarily choose on our own and we follow him because this is a tree of life that we celebrate, was given to access at Christmas. So, so how, does that, how does that shape us? I, I wanna leave us with, there are two ways I think that that can shape both the way that we, we celebrate Christmas but also the way that we, we live the way that we live anytime, whether it's Christmas or not. First, first we need to remember that, that God has called us, uh, we're all about, you know, celebrating Christmas is celebrating the framework of this life, not just the fruit. We love the fruit, right? We love the blessings that come from knowing Jesus. We love the peace, we love the joy, we love, the, we love that. But we're not just celebrating that because the fruit only comes from the tree, Right? And so celebrating Christmas is celebrating that, that our lives don't change at Christmas time. And, and there are two ways that I, I think that we, we, we tend to do this, right? Um, sometimes, and it's not just at Christmas, it's other times too. Sometimes we, we put our Christian life kind of on hold, right? We, we put it on the back burner so that we can live more fully this thing that we wanna get into, right? And so whether that's celebrating at Christmas, whether that's kind of getting into the greed and the commercialism of Christmas, and so we put our Christian 
kind of calling him in the life of God aside and we go into this one. Well, that's, that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And God says, you're not gonna, that's not why we celebrate at Christmas because we're not just celebrating that God's given us access to the fruit, we're celebrating he gave us access to the fruit through the frame, through the framework. So we don't change at Christmas. We're the same all the time. But also it's that we, sometimes we forget to carry those things that we do remember at Christmas into the rest of our lives, right? And so sometimes we forget the kindness and the generosity and the goodness of what we focus on at Christmas. The only reason we focus on those at Christmas is because God has called, those, called us into a life of pursuing those all the time. Amen? So that, that's, that's part of it. So this Christmas, remember, one, um, you know, don't, don't suspend the life that God has called you into so that you, you know, can maybe take part in whatever part of Christmas that might require, you know. But also don't forget once we get out of Christmas that this isn't a life that just ends at Christmas time. That's how we really celebrate Christmas. Second is this. Uh, we need to remember that um, these are not just pictures uh, you know, of the distant past and the distant future. It's not just about the garden. It's not just about, you know, we have a chance every day to make that decision, right? Every day you wake up, you choose between what tree you're gonna eat from, what tree you're gonna go with, what framework you're gonna try and draw sustenance and strength from. And so every day we're called to say, you know what? I choose to, treat, to eat from the fruit of the tree of life not from this tree that leads to death. And every day we have the opportunity to draw from the very kingdom of God and to bring as he breaks in his kingdom through us, through our lives, and to see that you know, break out into this world. So Christmas time is not just a time of generosity and giving gifts. Christmas time is a time of prayer. Christmas time is a time of healing where you see those leaves of that tree brought into people's lives. Christmas time is a time where you get to draw from that river of life and encourage people in a way that is drawing from the very spirit of Christ and encouraging them, not just giving them the best words that you can come up with. So as we celebrate Christmas, part of it's, it's the glory of one, with the remembering that, that we have this choice. We're, we're always choosing the tree of life, but also we have the, the part of choosing the tree of life is, is drawing from what what happened because of who Jesus is and what he did in us and through us and drawing that into our Christmas celebrations as well. So, so a question to ask yourselves is how am I bringing the very kingdom of God into our Christmas this year, right? We don't ask ourselves that much. We kind of get caught up in the, you know, the excitement of all the traditions and everything, but how am I bringing? And that usually has to do with you and the people around you, Right? how you allow God to touch their lives with his power and his presence through your life, through your words, through your actions. Amen? So it ends up that the most important tree has nothing to do with whether it's artificial or real, right? Right? Ends up that this Christmas, the most important tree probably to pay attention to is that the tree of life, the tree of life that's been kind of in the very middle of the whole story of God that we see Jesus kind of opening up the way to. Amen?